0: If you're like me, you want to get your business ahead but there's certain skills you need, but you just don't have. If this sounds like you then you need to head over to Fiverr. They have a whole array of professionals that can help you in different areas, from design to writing, marketing, and more. They have you covered. I seriously can't tell you how much Fiverr.com has helped me along with this podcast. Um, I've used them so much for this podcast. It's been unreal. They make my flyers, they go ahead and um I hired this guy to help me upload the each episode and in the beginning in order for me to be all over the place it was I was totally going on fiverr it was I seriously just it's I've gotten so much for my business through them so please use my link which you can find in the description of this episode or you can go to marcellaalonzo.com and book there through fiverr today you'll be glad you did
1: Hello and welcome to Get Schooled with Marcella Lonzo. Today I start my Pride series for the month of June and I welcome my first guest, James Palacio, a.k.a. Fiona St. James. Welcome, 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 and thank you for being on Get Schooled. Could you please share with my audience who you are and uh, what you're all about?
2: Girl, that's a loaded question, but hey guys, so James, aka Fiona, aka Bobby, so which should we start with, Fiona? We need to start from the very, very beginning. Ooh, okay, so the beginning was, I was born in the Bronx, knew I was gay since I was born, uh, never really hit the fact, always kind of knew that I was gay and horny i was always a horny boy since i was like that big because mm-hmm. i think everyone since birth is a sexual being mm-hmm. or at least they're aware of it if they're uh, evolved enough which i like to think i am so uh i was bullied in grammar school called faggot all of that but i was like who cares so i had two comebacks never anyone would say that i would say well, your mother didn't seem to mind, or I would say your father didn't mind either. So, because I find with bullies, if you call them on their shit, ooh, am I allowed to curse? Yes, you can. Oh, okay, good. Yay, because I'm a sailor at heart. <laughs> so I find that if you call them on their shit, then they usually back away. So can't say that I ever actually got into a fist fight because of that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, when I was in kindergarten, I was in love with my sister's fourth grade teacher. Mr. Mazza, he was like the typical Marlboro man. Hot mustache, muscular body, white. And when he would wear his jeans, I would be like... So even when I was that little, I kind of knew. So Fiona is my drag name, which when I was 22, Mm -hmm. I had graduated college and I was like, oh, I need, what am I going to do? So two things that I did, I started doing massage... Actually, let's backtrack. I did massage two years before that when I was 20 because you know how Hollywood glamorizes prostitution. So I remember being seven years old and thinking, ooh, I want to do that. I want to wear a mink coat and like make all this money and come out of a limo because that's what we see on television and in the movies. So, of course, I did it when I was 20 and I was like, okay, great. Now I could say that I've done that. And then I kind of thought I was done with it. But then fast forward two years later, I graduated college and I was like, now what am I going to do? I need money. Because, you know, that's the whole thing. You go to college and then you graduate and then what? Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm going to do drag. I'm going to turn tricks. So I pretty much in like one month did all of that and had a ton of money and was able to move out, move out of my parents' house because mm-hmm. I was, as I said, born and raised in the Bronx. And my father and I had a couple of words, which was kind of weird because he knew I was gay, but he found pictures of me dressed in drag. And he was like, yeah, you're, if you're gay, move out. And I said, all right. So two years before that, the Village Voice had these uh, had a, the personals in the back, and there was one for an escort agency. So I did it. I made 200 bucks in like 10 minutes, and it was the easiest shit I ever did. Mm-hmm. And it was this client named Danny who was like nondescript white man. I think he was an attorney, he had lots of money. Mm-hmm. So two years later, the first client I did, lo and behold, it was Danny again. And 200 bucks, 10 minutes later. <laughs> and then one month later, I was like, oh, I got five grand, I'm going to move out.
1: Mm, now, but when you were, um, when you first got into Um, prostitution at a young... Sex work, I should say, at a young age. It was basically massage. It wasn't the full shebang. Correct. Okay.
2: So now the first guy that Danny was supposed to be escort, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I jerked him off, and 10 minutes later, I was out the door and had 200 bucks. Mm -hmm. And then the agency that I worked with at 22 was, like, technically a massage parlor. Mm -hmm. But then I had my... I had three ads... At the same time that I was working for that agency, which was every Tuesday and Saturday. Mm-hmm. So Tuesday and Saturday for like three years, I'd see like 12, 13, 15 clients because, girl, it's like they'd be in and out in like 20 minutes. He'd say that it was an hour, but he would book them every 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I'd start at like two and be there till like midnight. And. I'm going back like 36 years, I guess. Lord, Mm -hmm. am I that old? (laughs) Guys, I promise I'm not that old. Actually, I am. I just look okay. But uh, so he was only charging like 80 bucks. Mm. And I would only get 40 of that. He Mm -hmm. would take half. I would take half. So like 12 men later, I'd make like 500 bucks, but 12 men later. And what type of
1: men when you first started sex work were they? What was the typical John
2: like? Pretty much what they still are, which is heterosexual, theoretically, Uh men with wives or girlfriends or. uh, And the type of client that I get, knock on wood, is the kind of man that likes me in my personal life anyway. Uh So I always get like these hunky, hot, nice built men that I'm like, I would sleep with you for free, but I ain't that dumb, so (laughs) I'd rather make the money. Right. So I you know, I think there's this big misconception where people think that if someone has to pay for it, that they look a certain way. I mean, I don't find that. I don't I don't think that I've ever gotten someone that was so hideous that I was like, uh uh-uh, uh, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Like that's never happened. So I've been fortunate in that regard.
1: So majority of these men they were married or they did have girlfriends and they were leading heterosexual lives. Correct. Okay. And then that's when you first started and you did more massage, which was basically, it wasn't like full service or anything like that.
2: Then I was doing both. Okay. Uh, But, you know, even these days, I do a lot more massage than I do escort work. Mm -hmm. Because in New York City, clients that want to hire escorts tend to be bottoms that want to top. Mm -hmm. and girl look at me do I look like the top Mm -hmm.
1: well for my audience that doesn't know anything can you um explain more of the and this is the pride series so I'm sure there's people that don't know can you explain the top versus the bottom because some some may not understand
2: they're like top bottom what's that okay so the top is the one that does the fucking or penetration Mm and the bottom receives okay is the one that the receiving end Mm -hmm. and you know girl I've always said two holes no waiting makes me a hit on a Saturday night
1: (laughs) (laughs) so so your childhood growing up you how did your family when you first came out how
2: was it they just always knew because of the way you were well you know what it was funny because I never like officially came out Mm -hmm. but I was never in like you know I never like had girlfriends or thought Mm -hmm. you know let me make believe that I'm straight I was who I was and uh So, and then, you know, when I was 17, I guess that was when I lost my virginity. Mm. I ain't going to say to who, but I went to Ecuador, which is where my family is Mm -hmm. from. And I had an affair and I was like, I was a depressed virgin before that. So I was like 30 pounds overweight. Mm -hmm. I went there, got food poisoning, fucked for like two months. And I came back. Weighing 125 pounds, and I was like, I'm a fierce queen. <laughs> and it was actually at that point that I said, when I turn 50, I'm going to write my memoirs. Mm. Because, I mean, the person who I was with was engaged. She found out. She broke off the wedding. Wow.
1: So this was somebody that was leading
2: a heterosexual. Yes, role. and he still, four failed marriages later, has like eight kids.
1: Wow.
2: It was technically a family member. Oh my God. It was my cousin. Oh my God. My first cousin, like my mother and his mother are sisters. Oh. But I'm like, who cares? It's not like I'm going to get pregnant, right? Oh my
1: so, God.
2: I didn't really care. Yeah. His fiance did, but I was like, I didn't.
1: Mm. So tell us through the years of. Uh, how did stuff evolve in your life and then, you know, your career and all that because uh you've also had some television appearances. Yeah. Could you go and share with us? James, by the way, me and James have a history, so I'm interviewing him like it's and it's kind of hard because I know everything about him. Um, but uh he has a lot to share. So please share with us, my listeners more about um through the years of who you are and what you've done, by the way.
2: Okay, so Here's the cute part about becoming an actor. Like I'd been doing musical theater my whole life, you Mm -hmm. know, dance classes and singing and high school productions and all of that. Mm -hmm. But then when I started turning tricks, I always wanted to get my equity card. But Mm -hmm. I was like, how am I going to get on Broadway? So then there was a director, B-Band Kidron, who -hmm. had directed Youth people. And she was doing a documentary, which was called Hookers, Hustlers, Pimps, and Their Johns. So I met her and she was fascinated by me. And she was like, I want you in my documentary. And I was like, but she wasn't paying me. And you know us people, if we ain't getting paid. But I was like, I don't know if I should do it. And she said, I promise you, if you do it, I'll get you a part in Steven Spielberg's next movie, which was To Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar." Wow. So I said, all right, I'll do it. So I did the documentary. It got international critical acclaim. And every picture was a picture of me dressed as Marilyn Monroe. Mm -hmm. And it would say, high-class hooker, Fiona St. James speaks candidly. It was actually a wonderful 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. The whole documentary was about an hour and a half. And what she did, which was great, was she covered, like, every aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, someone like me who didn't come from a broken home Mm -hmm. had a degree. There was someone who was a medical student. But then she had, like, the $5 street whores from like Hunts Point in the Bronx. So she mm-hmm. covered every subculture of it. So it was quite fascinating, I think. Mm. Hookers, hustlers, pimps, and their johns. And then, you know, years later, did a needed a did an expose on it where they were like, sex, blah, blah, blah. I forget what it was called, but they put a negative spin on it. Mm. And when I found that out, I... Well, I wanted to sue them. Of course, I didn't. But I was like, why would they do that? Right, Well, we know why.
1: Right, yes. Yeah.
2: So, but it's, so sure enough, I did that documentary and then I went on the audition and I got the part. And -hmm. that was 30 years ago.
1: And that's how you got your
2: saga after? Correct. Because the very first thing I did Uh was that, and it was technically I was a day player. Okay. So I was one of the LA queens at the end of the movie.
1: Wow. So here you are with your drag. You now get a part in a movie and you continuously, you know, you be yourself, you live your life and everything else. Can you tell, him, tell us more about the events of your life and everything else you've done?
2: So apart from drag and apart from turning tricks, which I've done forever, mm-hmm. I also had a 25 years I worked at Bloomingdale's because I mm-hmm. Always kind of felt like if you do any kind of sex work, you should always do something else as well. Mm -hmm. So apart from the acting. Like
1: something to be humble and grounded with.
2: Yeah. And you know what? It was weird because when I graduated college between 22 and 28, all I did was drag and my sex work. And then Mm -hmm. when I was 28, I remember thinking, what am I doing for society? Like, what's my part for Mm -hmm. the economy? Right. Right. And then I was like, I should get a job. And then 25 years later, now retail was great Mm -hmm. because you get paid a lot and Mm -hmm. I made a lot of wonderful friends, but it's a thankless job. And the Mm. best decision I made was six years ago, I said, no more retail, I'm gonna focus on massage and my acting gigs and that's when you and I met. And actually I make more money now Mm -hmm. not doing retail
1: Mm. and I'm not miserable. Right, right. You just, you did it basically to ground yourself. You kept a vanilla job to ground yourself, to be around. Also, so you could get social security in the future. Right. right, which is smart because a lot of sex workers, they think, let me just focus on this money now. But it's kind of smart because you mixed the two. Correct. Yeah. I think that's very, yeah, very smart. You're not
2: going to get social security from being a sex worker.
1: Right, right. Now it's always good to get your education. It's always good to, you know do something else and and ground yourself because it can be overall have you ever had um any um when you're seeing any clients have you had any issues any problems anything scary
2: no thank god mm-hmm. and you know what i think the two reasons why first of all i think my karma is pretty good mm-hmm. but i think also like when something bad happens it's usually people who are like soliciting on the streets or Craigslist, I hate to say this, but Mm -hmm. all of the shows Craigslist killer or so because I've always advertised either like back of a newspaper or like now on the internet. Mm -hmm. I think that in itself gives it a screening process Mm -hmm. where like the sites that I'm on, any client that goes on, it has to create a profile. So everything could be traced back with their IP address. Mm hmm. And you know what? Like, I don't allow that thought in my mind because people ask me all the time, well, aren't you worried that, like, strangers are showing up? Mm -hmm. And I'm not. And I'm like, don't even, like, think that for me.
1: Right, right, right.
2: Because, I mean, do you think that way? Like, if you're going to see someone. Yeah. I mean, do you get scared? Well,
1: women have to be a little bit more different with anybody. With dating. with It's a different scenario. Yeah. Men can be... I think because um, you're men for men, and you are you do identify as a man. Right. And I feel like for women, and for and I'm just speaking for the trans community, I think they have to be a little bit on guard.
2: Absolutely. More. Right.
1: I think, um but for the men for men, have you seen the sites or anything change through the years of your um life, like this was through sex work, like the sites you were saying first, you started newspaper, and how right. has that changed through the years?
2: So uh initially it was newspaper it was a village voice the new york native and the manhattan spirit mm-hmm. i did that for like 10 12 years and i but back then also i was living on the upper west side mm-hmm. and i'd get clients at like midnight two in the morning like it was commonplace back then mm-hmm. that clients would be seeing you at all hours of the night and then huh. i was from the school that thought that i'm gonna say no so I would mm. keep my phone on. <laughs> and bitch, two in the morning, these people would be showing up. I'd do them, get out, go back to sleep.
1: What about the time before cell phones and all that?
2: So that's when that was happening. So okay. was before cell phones, because I would put my uh, my phone number in the ad. Mm-hmm. And honey, this was in the day of like the pagers. Because like, remember, I started <laughs> doing this 1987 officially. What, well, 85? Right? Uh-huh. So they would page me. And then I would call them. And uh-huh. then they'd come over. But then I also had, like, my pager and my landline. Uh-huh. So they were. And then I was so, so uh, funny where when I was living on the Upper West Side, there was this local bar, this local gay bar, the <laughs> Candle Bar, that I used to love going to. And they had a pay phone. So remember when call waiting came out and yes. call forwarding? So I would take call forwarding <laughs> and forward my phone to the pay phone. Uh-huh. And I would be sitting there drinking, shooting pool. And when the. When the payphone would ring, I'd go running and answer it, and it'd be a client. Because wow. who's gonna call the payphone? Right, right. So,
1: oh wow. I was That's like, cool.
2: i ain't gonna lose out on any money. So, so
1: you were when you were younger,
2: you were real on it. Oh God, yeah. I mean, it, like these days, if I'm not in the mood, I'll say no. But back then, I would have never said no.
1: Oh, do and, you think it was just as you age, you got tired? Or, um, jaded, what was the reason of the decline? all of the above?
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I think, well, I mean, look, I'm 50 something now, mm-hmm. 58. Oh, so obviously, I don't have the same stamina that I did, but it's different now, also, because I don't think that, like I never get clients calling me at two in the morning, and mm-hmm. if they do, they don't get my answering my uh, voicemail because. I pretty much now, like come 9, 10 o'clock, I am done. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, I'd be done whenever. Mm -hmm. So it's a different, I think it's a different time now anyway, where I think people are more, uh, people go to bed earlier, I guess. Mm -hmm. I know I do. But I've seen the change, like from doing the newspapers, and then when uh, when I got my first computer, nineteen ninety seven, mm-hmm. AOL. Remember, America is on America Online, and you were allowed to have five profiles. So then I created one that said like cute massage Bobby whatever, uh-huh. and then I would go I would advertise that way. So mm-hmm. then I was getting clients through that,
1: and you weren't showing your picture with AOL. No. Wow. So people were just responding. For cute, smooth massage
2: boy. Correct.
1: Without even seeing the picture.
2: Then they would, yes. And then they would like contact me and Uh then I would send them a picture, you know, but initially just by the virtue of having the word massage, they knew that you were. And listen, any man that's going to hire a man for massage, they know it's going to be more than that because who don't love a happy ending, right? (laughs) Me and Walt Disney are tight. I've always said (laughs) Wow, this is amazing. Now, um, have you
1: ever dealt with any stigma from being a sex worker? Oh, God. Any personal judgment? Share with me that.
2: From people that I personally know? No. Mm -hmm. But I think the world still stigmatizes us. Yeah. I mean, so, but I don't really care what people think about me, because this is how I look at it. Bitch, if you ain't paying my rent, leave me alone. Stay in your lane. I think So many people with sex work in general, they think that it's taboo or like you're exploiting people or you're getting objectified. Mm -hmm. Bitch, I don't mind getting objectified if you're going to pay me.
1: Right, right. And your family knows everything. Correct. Wow. And they've never been worried about you or judgment, uh,
2: any type of judgment? No. I mean, my mother is always like, be careful. But like even these days, I'll be like, mom, I got to run. I have a client coming. And she just, she's... You know what that's funny is um, I've interviewed Fenny, who is a
1: heterosexual content creator. And um, he doesn't see clients or anything, but he just does. And um, his mom, it's just different for the men because I noticed the family, yes, they care about the safety, but they have like a pride where right. the woman, it's a little bit different where it's sort of like not spoken about if it's the daughters. Right. You know what I mean that's why I say it's it's so different for men versus women. And do you see any differences too versus women versus men in your occupation?
2: Oh god yeah Well, first of all this is the only industry where women make a lot more money than we do like mm-hmm. 5 to 1 which good I think women should make more money mm-hmm. because like you said you they deal with like safety issues mm-hmm. and you know, look, I may be gay, but I got my bayonet, my hammer, and my baseball bat readily available. So if anyone comes in here and messes right. with me.
1: Also, I think um, men don't want to be, like, let's say it's a straight man trying to, they don't want the to really be caught. Like, what are you doing? Right. You're going to saying if they're leading a heterosexual life and then they come over here and try robbing, you do have that strength. You do have that. And I think that's where there's a little bit of a difference, um, you know, where they have that, uh, th- That that's the difference between women. They don't want to be, you know, with a not female, it's like, oh, he was at some girl's house, he was dating and he could change. Right. You know what I'm saying? But with men, I, you know, that's what I'm just observing. So.
2: No, it's true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So take us back again through the years and all that and working on set and other stuff. You did. Get on a TV show.
2: Yes. So Oz, the dramatic prison series, which Mm -hmm. we were groundbreaking because 1997 season one was the first show ever on a premium network. Then the following year was like Sex in the City sopranos but Mm -hmm. we broke we created that whole thing so I played the resident bitch Mm -hmm. resident tranny which is kind of cute because you know I was like the only one like that amongst all of these hot men Mm -hmm. and it was like you know five days a week for three to six months a year and I was on that for six years
1: did you receive any harassment when you worked on Oz not at all not at all and everybody was very welcoming
2: Yes, I mean, and I used to be all like, and they loved it. They weren't, they didn't you were feel all touchy threatened. feel with yep. all the men. Yeah. And they were all technically straight. Mm-hmm. But you know, girls, straight men love me. Yeah. <laughs> it's the true story.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I think because they don't feel threatened by me. Mm-hmm. Let me make sure this isn't off. Oh, thought that was off.
1: Um. So, through the year, so you had a good experience
2: when you worked on Oz. Correct. And it, I think also the thing was like, where some gay guys, uh, look, there's that whole thing with like bottoms that are like, ooh, I love a straight man. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, so do I. But you have to know not to cross the line of like being disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And I'm aware of that. So even though I was like- Touchy-feely. Touchy-feely with it, I would never, I wasn't gross about it.
1: Right. You, you respect boundaries.
2: Absolutely.
1: So would you say more heterosexual men have tried you than you have tried them?
2: You tried me as Like,
1: a- they tried you sexually, like advances versus you trying them. Because a lot of heterosexual men, they always go, oh, I can't go there, I'm scared. Right. And, you know, it's like... And I've been around enough gay men that they aren't... They, want, they, they don't want to even touch a straight man sometimes. Because the average straight man, you
2: know... Well, you know what? <laughs> if they look it's good, gay. I don't really care what they identify right. as. But I will say... That my entire life, I've always said, if there's a straight man out there, he's going to hit on me. <laughs> it's And I think it's because I'm not like the butcher's thing on the planet. Right, right, right. I mean, let's keep it real. But <laughs> yeah. so I think that's why I'm not as threatening. Or I think psychologically for them, they're like, oh, well, I'm kind of with the girl anyway. Mm-hmm. Or someone that's like not so manly. And that's what my clients are. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because a lot of my clients, like in this day and age, they actually just want like a therapist where like the hour that I'm there with them, we talk a lot. And then they tell me how their wives are like, well, not all of them, but mm-hmm. some of them like the, that, that old adage of no sex after marriage. So mm-hmm. the wife ain't giving them nothing. So good. Keep on not fucking your man so he can hire me.
1: <laughs>
2: That's how I kind of look at it.
1: Mm, I see. I see. Now you have traveled a bit with your work, correct? Yes. Tell us about when you're traveling, your places you like to go. Where's your little hot spots?
2: Okay. So I have two in particular, uh, Palm Springs Mm -hmm. and Fort Lauderdale. Because see, with escort work in New York City, as I said, uh, everyone's a bottom looking for a top. So Mm -hmm. I don't like me doing escort work here is not that lucrative. But Mm -hmm. when I go there, because that's like the land of the top white man, honey, those bitches love me. They love a a cute, smooth brown boy. (laughs) So I uh, renew my ad. Mm -hmm. And probably what I make any given month here, Mm -hmm. I make in one week in those two Mm.
1: So it's a different demographic in those two particular cities that you go to.
2: Okay. And that's now if I travel anywhere, I'm going to make money. Unless if I travel internationally, then I can't be bothered.
1: Mm, okay. Because you just want to travel at that point.
2: Yeah. If I'm going to travel 10 hours to Spain, I can't be bothered with work. Yeah.
1: No traveling except pay.
2: Plus, I don't like getting paid in foreign currency. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I'm like, if it ain't American dollars. You ain't paying me. Mm
1: -hmm. Now, um, I want to talk about uh, the preparation for you to do escort work. It's not as simple as it is for women. Correct. Right. Could you go into that so people can understand because they don't see, you know.
2: Okay. So that's the whole top bottom thing. Now, if you're an escort top, you don't have an issue. Mm -hmm. But as a bottom, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't want to paint the town brown, as they say. So Mm -hmm. you have to douche frankly Mm -hmm. so but i'm at the point now where like if i know that i'm gonna get laid even if i'm giving it away i think about what i eat the day before Mm -hmm. and then i don't eat anything the day of and then i clean myself out Mm -hmm. and then i'm good to go but the problem with clients are they call you can i come over now and it's like bitch i just say the chili cheese burrito no you can't (laughs) come over so that's the only issue I have with escort work in New York City is mm-hmm. that, am I supposed to not eat? Now, when I go on vacation, mm-hmm. girl, I ain't trying to eat anyway because I want to make money.
1: Mm. But I'm only
2: doing that for like one And week. that is
1: what's different between the men versus the women that we people aren't really realizing. Where a woman could any time just go.
2: Unless well, well, unless if the client wants to do the woman from behind. Right, but right, how right. Many I mean, I would think most of them want the front.
1: Well, they want the, men want pussy.
2: That's it. Men
1: want pussy. But for a man for man, if they want, you know They want
2: my pussy, but my pussy's behind (laughs) me. So we don't get in the way is what I would say. But
1: not a lot of people are realizing this. No. You know what I'm saying? They don't realize the preparation part. A lot of porn stars, when they're preparing the duanal scenes, they often don't eat the day before. They go through the same thing I've heard. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're doing the same thing that these girls, you know, these female performers are doing when they prepare for an anal, you know, you have to prepare.
2: And the good thing about that is if you do it enough, honey, you stay skinny because you don't eat food and you clean your, you flush now, yourself Now, can that off.
1: affect your body after a while if you do that whole bunch?
2: Mm. I would think so. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't do it that, that much. I mean, because look, these days I advertise much more as a masseur than an escort. Mm -hmm. And these days I don't really hook up because I'm Mm -hmm. like, bitch, you ain't going to interfere with my money.
1: And which do you find is more lucrative repeat work? Is it the escort or is it a massage?
2: Massage. Okay. And I think it's because it's half the price. Mm -hmm. And I think also in this day and age, like someone would rather spend $100 instead of $200. And the safety factor of they're not going to, God forbid, someone has an STD or something like that. They're not going to give it to you or vice versa.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, no, that's a very big concern. And then um, a lot of men, they feel like that is not cheating. Correct. Yeah, that's a big thing. They feel like that's not cheating. Them getting a simple hand job is the safe way to go. Right. Right. Now, let's progress through the pandemic. What happened when the pandemic came?
2: Well, when the pandemic came, <laughs> we, this we, fabulous <laughs> friend that I have was <laughs> like, girl, you should go on OnlyFans and Just for Fans. Because, I mean, I've always been an in-person worker. So right. the, the whole like virtual world of going in front of a camera and filming – I'd never really done. I mean, I had filmed with a couple of guys, mm-hmm. but just like for the fun of it. So mm-hmm. I did it and I have my OnlyFans, my Just For Fans. I, I love that I do both. I think right. if I only did the content creation, I wouldn't like it as much. Mm-hmm.
1: So during pandemic, you came to content creation and um, talk about Just For Fans a little bit because that's a lot different than OnlyFans and it caters to a different market.
2: Well, Just for Fans is predominantly men, although mm-hmm. I think that he's trying to get women on it as well. He's been trying to. Dominic is... Keep trying. Try a little harder, girl. Try a little harder. But it's sort of like Sex Panther, which when you think of that, you think of women. So right. When you think of Just for Fans, you think of men. Of men. Right, right, right. So uh, Just for Fans, I love it. You know, it's a monthly subscription versus OnlyFans where you could have the, a monthly subscription or the free page. Mm-hmm. And then people unlock your stuff. So just for fans, you have to charge a monthly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did well with it for a while, but then about a year and a half ago, I kind of like didn't really care about it. Mm-hmm. Stuff with my family, my father, blah blah blah. So, but right, now right. a couple of months ago, I a few months ago, I started filming with this company that does like amateur porn and they're they're up in the Bronx they have their apartment set up as a studio mm-hmm. so you contact them and you say I want to film with Marcella and mm-hmm. then they film well but they're
1: me. primarily men though this yes, is, yes. They're, they're only men I don't want people to start contacting the company and then they, they want to film like I'm like I'm not even filming with anybody
2: <laughs> no no so it's men for men mm-hmm. so then you contact them and you say me and Joe Schmo want to film mm-hmm You show up, you film, they do the editing, and then they give you the finished product.
1: And, but are they using the content too?
2: Correct. Okay. Which is good because then you get more followers. Right. right? Because they have a Just for Fans, a Mm -hmm. huge Twitter. So, and then they give you like the little one minute promo and then the So it's day. for marketing
1: purposes. Correct. They film it, but then they share it. So you are, so if somebody's and open to it. Correct. Right. Which brings us to my, um, sponsor today, Branded Scan. If anybody is a content creator out there and you're looking to protect your brand, you can use code Marcella Obella. So go to brandedscan.com today to protect your brand.
2: yeah do it i'm gonna do it as soon as we finish
1: you get five dollars off using the code marcella sobella for only 45 dollars a month you can protect your content and um protect your identity too like on instagram or twitter stops i've been using the company quite a bit because people will make duplicate instagrams and they will make duplicate twitters and start catfishing you so that's where branded scans a good company
2: Good to know. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, So you started during the pandemic doing all this content, just sort of like part-time, but your heart really in sex work is more with the massage than anything else, right?
2: Yeah, I would say that. And then so when the pandemic first hit, Mm -hmm. I completely stopped doing it for like four or five months. Mm -hmm. And I have to say what I love about massage, it's the actual therapeutic aspect of it Mm -hmm. like look there's a happy ending at the end but I actually give them a legit massage Mm -hmm. which half my clients are like oh my god you actually massaged me and you actually know what you're doing Mm -hmm. now am I trained no but when you 38 years later I better know what the hell I'm doing Mm -hmm. so the first four or five months I was missing that Mm. And then when I started doing it again, I did it for like four or five months, but then the second wave happened. So I was Mm. like, "Uh uh-uh.
1: So you miss more of the interaction. You enjoy meeting your clients. Correct. And you enjoy interacting and having
2: regulars and friends like that. Exactly. Yeah,
1: it's rewarding to you.
2: It's rewarding. And it's also like, I'm a Pisces, so I'm a healer. So knowing that I'm making them feel good, that to me is Probably as important as the money. I mean, of course, I am going to do it for free. Right. But I get so much out of it as well.
1: Mm. Now, in the gay massage world, have you ever heard of any type of men being trafficked
2: before? Mm, or I don't forced so. to do?
1: I always bring this up because, you know, a lot of people think people in sex work are forced or Ugh. brought in there and that misconception. Correct. Yeah.
2: Well, I think a lot of people think that. And it's like, no, I do it. They think you've either been forced to do it or you came from a broken home or you something. I don't know. Maybe you were like traumatized as a child. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, some people do it because, A, they like money. B, they like sex. And if you like filming, then do all three things.
1: Right. And at this point, like you said, you enjoy healing, um, talking to your clients. You enjoy that whole aspect. It makes you happy opposed to
2: doing retail work i could never go back to retail work mm. when i left uh, six years ago i said i will never ever do retail you know what's weird a couple of times i've had dreams mm-hmm. where suddenly i'm working back at blooming Tales, and when i wake up i'm like oh my god wait am i working there again <laughs> and i get mortified mm. you know people say you should never say never sometimes you can like, I don't, I can honestly say I will never go back to that.
1: Right. You just, you did it for so many years. 25 finally years. Retired. Now, tell us about your book. You wrote a God. wonderful book. I'd love for you to plug it in.
2: Damn, I wanted to have it next to me.
1: Yeah. Well, this, like the fil- video for this one, i only be using with a Patreon in the future. So... You know okay. what I mean? But you could tell everybody where to get your book and about so your So my
2: book. book is called The Life and Crimes of Fiona St. James. Because, girl, technically everything I've done is criminal-ish. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it was when I was 17 and had the affair with my cousin. Mm-hmm. I said, bitch, when you turn 50, you are writing your memoirs. So what I've done every day of my life is I write everything down. What time I woke up, what time I went to bed, and everything that happened in between every man I've ever been with, every man that's ever paid me names, addresses, phone numbers, wow, did. So when I went to write the first draft, which was eight years ago, it was really kind of wonderful. It was like doing a book report on my life and everything came back. The good, the bad, the ugly. And I didn't really leave much to the imagination. I put everything in
1: that. Oh yeah, no, I've read the book. It's juicy. <laughs>
2: It's a little risky Oh, it's,
1: it's risky, it's good But it's very, it's very much of a I See, I know everything about you And then I'm reading and I'm like <laughs> and Is there going to be another book eventually? Well, you know,
2: I said that when I turned 60 I would write book two Which is in two years And I'm like, oh shit, am I supposed to start this now? Because uh-huh. I kind of feel like When the pandemic hit for a couple of years I'm like, I ain't living
1: Right, right, it was very much isolating time
2: But I mean, you look, I never cared to be an author. Like, people are like, oh, are you going to write another book? I'll write part two of my life story. Mm -hmm. But do I want to be an author where I'm going to write, like, fictional stuff?
1: Right. Is this easier about your life? I
2: wanted to write my life story because also I wanted to, like, break that misconception that we were talking about with people. Like, oh, you were fucked up or you're this or you're that. Mm -mm." And your parents are still married to this day. 64 years.
1: Yeah. And that, like I said, didn't come from a broken home. Nobody forced you.
2: Exactly.
1: And um, that you came into this occupation willing and ready. (laughs) as Really, really ready and willing. So tell us, uh, you do have a YouTube channel. And where did that stem from? Because I remember when you started that. Oh,
2: okay. So I had always been thinking I should do a YouTube channel. Then... I went to see this play on Broadway called, oh shit, what was it
1: called? I remember, I forgot. Uh,
2: The the Inheritance? Yes, yes. It was something like that. Something like Inheritance? Yeah. And it was Matthew Lopez and it dealt with like gay people and people dying of AIDS. It was really quite amazing. It was a two-part, so you had to go two different days and- Hearing him do that, I remember I called you that night. Yeah. I said, girl, he's given me the inspiration <laughs> to do this. And I and the funny part was about a month later, one of the clients that I had was his best friend. And mm. I think I told you that.
1: I can't remember now. And
2: I was like, listen, tell Matthew that I love him, that it's because of him that I'm even doing this. Mm-hmm. He's actually a regular of mine, not Matthew, but the friend. So, but he inspired me. He gave me the courage to actually do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, no one showed me anything. I was pretty much self-taught because I do my own filming, my own editing, my thumbnails. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like when I first started, I was like, oh, like I was in the kitchen and it was a little echoey. Mm -hmm. But then I learned about a clip mic. So I've had it three years now. And you know you live and learn, so right, right, I'm a right. lot more polished, I think. Oh I
1: you with this podcast, I'm living and learning every day, trying to grow it and trying to build it.
2: You do, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Fiona's coffee talks.
1: Yeah. So you have your YouTube, you have your book, and uh now you're you still do some sad work here and there. Yeah. Right now, though, we're in the middle of a writer's writer's
2: strike. strike, So neither one of us at work. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's my, always been my uh, vanilla job. Like I got the SAG card. I was a stripper for many years. Got that. We met, me and James actually met on set, the set of uh, In the Heights. In the Heights. So, uh, you know, it was great. That summer we worked, we clicked right away, we got along, and um, it, it was a great we little did
2: in the heights and followed by west side story yes we worked for like three four months
1: yes yeah so it was a nice little um i do like working on something currently right now there's a big writer strike and uh hopefully with ai coming they they work it out so you know what i mean but you'll be okay yeah yeah you'll be okay because you you got you have your regulars
2: and plus, I've always said, somehow I always managed to land on my back. <laughs> so, honey, so
1: through these years, you've you've never struggled. You've never had no, uh, no big issues. Mm-mm. You've just been managed to take care of yourself pretty good.
2: And you know what? I think part of it is because since I was like this big, I always had the mentality of I'm never going to worry about money. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the savvy Bronx boy where like I always knew that If there's men out there and if I look cute, I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why, you know, I don't even have a driver's license because I'm like, I ain't going to drive. You drive me around.
1: Right. Do you have any advice for any young gay males like yourself that are entering into sex work now? What would you give them?
2: Mm. Only do it if. It's something that you really want to do. Like, don't do it because you think it's cool or because you're being forced to do it. Because agree with me if I or not, but I think it takes a certain mindset to do any kind of sex work. Yes, yes, yes. Like, yes. I don't think it's the kind of thing where someone could say, oh, you know what? I want to be whatever.
1: That, right, right.
2: And I think that was the problem during the pandemic, why OnlyFans all of a sudden were saturated because people that aren't. Loving, oh yeah. Yeah. I feel not- like
1: a lot of people just jumped on this bandwagon, not realizing, you know, um, everything that's involved in sex work because it is a certain mindset that you have to be prepared. And I just saw people, I'm looking at them now and they're on podcasts and they're saying crazy stuff to get clout or attention And I can see right through them. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I'm seeing that. And I'm like, this is not, this is somebody that they're here for the money today, not, and they're not keeping their, they're not going to handle the longevity.
2: No. No. And, And you know what? I think speaking of longevity, I think how you last in this business is if you do other things as well. Yeah, Like us being actors or me having done retail for 25 years is content word.
1: Right, 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 right. So I think can. if
2: you just do one thing, you get sick of it.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: That's why I don't think I could ever get married because I get sick of just having one man. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> I don't know how you people do it out there, but.
1: Yeah. But no, no, you have a, that's a very valid point. But anybody coming in don't. And it also takes a certain personality because my other friend, he is not the hoe type mm. at all. He is sitting there dreaming about a marriage, dreaming oh, about, God. yeah, you know who I'm talking yeah. about, dreaming about, he isn't listening. He won't listen to none of my podcasts. He's something else. But you, you've never even dreamed of having a family or get married. That wasn't
2: i wouldn't say that okay. i mean honestly like i'm very old school like mm-hmm. in in my warped mind i would love to meet someone and like get married and live happily ever after but they would have to be okay with what i do mm-hmm. and like i can separate the two where like if i'm if you and i were married okay i'm not gonna cheat on you but if i'm getting paid for it am i actually cheating on you because mm-hmm. it's my job so no, right. Right, but, and and I've always been like, if I'm dating someone, then I won't sleep around. Mm. Almost instantly, I sort of have that Latin woman thing where, like, you're my man.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's the Latina that we don't. Yeah, whenever I date somebody, you I just don't focus. Right, you focus on them. Yeah, correct. Right.
2: Because otherwise, it's like, what? What's the point? Right and especially if you are getting along and having good sex and why do I want to go elsewhere? Right.
1: But you know for sure if you were to find a nice partner, you would still continue with the massage.
2: Yes. Right. But now when I have dated guys in the past, mm-hmm. what I will do is like take not take a step back, but like not be so focused on it. Mhm. Uh and but then as soon as we break up, which we always do, then I'm like, all right. <laughs> time to, you to be a whore work. again exactly yeah <laughs> but i mean seriously how many men can deal with someone who does what i do
1: right because
2: right. they view it as you're cheating on them
1: right if they're not in that business and they Correct. don't have that mindset
2: i did did actually about 20 years ago date someone who was an escort as well and that was the only time that there was like now no. how was that you never told me this I did, well, no,
1: you never told me that. it was like,
2: a, I don't know, a couple of months. It was great because we got along really well. Mm-hmm. And other than being with one another and clients, like we didn't cheat on each other.
1: Cause so you both knew it was business. Correct. And was there, would either two of you, was there any form of jealousy? No. Okay. Because you both had that understanding.
2: Correct. And because we were not fucking other people other mm-hmm. than clients. So I could differentiate. This is a job. This is my personal life, mm. and he could as well.
1: Now, what happened with that relationship? Because you never told me this story,
2: girl. I don't even know. <laughs> I was like, I was like twenty something. Oh, like, okay, just young. We were young. Yeah, I think we. I remember though, he was really big, <laughs> and we used to have this incredible sex, and we lasted a couple of months, but then it just sort of fizzled out,
1: probably because of age. Yeah. Yeah, when you're young in your twenties, uh things are different and you you know what I'm saying? Like and did you you didn't live together. You no, just
2: No, hell no. No things You know, I have never ever lived with anyone. Wow. I've never even had a roommate. You've never even so you've managed your whole life thirty six years. Wow. To never even have a roommate. Yeah, plus I have this cute apartment. I don't need no bitch coming in here and
1: messing it up. No, when you get in relationships, you have to compromise, and that's something serious. Right. You know what I mean? And then you add the aspect that you're a sex worker and what you do. Yep. Then that's a whole um,
2: can of worms on top of stuff like that. And I I think relationships are better anyway. Like, if if I were to live with someone, Mm -hmm. I'd want a brand new apartment, and I would want a two-bedroom. Mm, you'd want to have your own space Your own creative space Yes, yes. And then the entire apartment is the combination of the two of you But then mm-hmm. your bedroom is yours You could do whatever you want mm-hmm. And mine is mine that's And it. also just to kind of like get away from one another a minute Yeah like, That's why when the pandemic hit How many people like ended up getting Oh divorced? they were That
1: was Imagine that That was crazy were like Bitch get out my I house I saw a lot of divorce Yeah
2: People were sick of each other It was trying times That's why I was like, I'm so glad I'm alone. Although the flip side was being alone. It was a bit isolating.
1: Right. Right. Now, as of today, you were saying earlier, and I know this, you have the responsibility of your family, and that's taken a toll, correct? How have you been able to manage still, well, right now we're not working on set, of course, but how have you been managing to hold it all together with your family, you know, taking care of your family, and if you could share some of that?
2: Well, it's not been easy, but. I think in recent months, Mm -hmm. this wonderful friend of mine Mm -hmm. who taught me about TikTok videos and all that. Oh, I created a monster. She created a monster with me. (laughs) But you know what? Not for nothing, but having done, now that I'm posting every day and doing Uh all of that, that's put me in such a wonderful headspace. Because, look, honestly, the last couple of years, I've not necessarily been in a good Mm headspace because you know my father is going gonna be 92 in a couple of weeks right right had a stroke like four years ago so watching him deteriorate and then just the responsibility of taking care of two people apart from yourself it's Mm -hmm. a lot
1: and you're the youngest out of four and like we often the the youngest gay male son does
2: everything does
1: everything takes care of the family
2: right and my siblings basically don't do shit
1: yeah, because they have families and right. they, that's the excuse. Right.
2: That's their get out of jail free card.
1: Mm. But have you been able to maintain your business on top of taking care of your family and everything? without yeah. like, like, getting away know,
2: juggling it? No. Well, you know what? I think like if, if you're a savvy hoe like I am, the mm-hmm. more I do, the better I am. Mm. Like the more shit that gets thrown my way, I feel like I excel. You can balance everything. I mean, sometimes it's a little overwhelming. I do have a therapist that I see every Wednesday at four. So he's my savior. Because
1: of the the stress. Correct. Let's talk about you going to therapy. When did you start going to therapy? Has it helped? And um, when did you realize that you did need to get a therapist?
2: Well, I don't know if I ever thought that I needed one. But Mm -hmm. since I was little, I've always thought everyone should have a therapist. Yes,
1: they should. Yeah. So
2: I remember when I was like, 15 i said to my father i want to get a therapist and he was like why what's wrong with you and i was like nothing's wrong with me right but like everyone should have one so i pretty much have had one my entire adult life so you can deal with your mental right that's good and i think so many people don't take care of their mental health yes or they think that they're okay and i'm like you the most fucked up shit i've ever seen (laughs)
1: Well, no, no, it's important because every, I, I believe everybody should, and we do need more mental health in this country. Um, but people like in general, sex workers in general deal with a lot of stuff, a lot of stigma, yes. a lot of issues. Plus you're a gay male, um, that's single and now you're taking care of your family. So the fact that you've had that in place, the therapist for many years, that has made you, you know, more stable and more put together where you could function and handle everything Correct. and be responsible. Yep. Yeah, because a lot of people are just not taking responsibility, you know, for everything going on.
2: Well, I think a lot of people ignore what they have.
1: Right. And you can be up and honest with your therapist. Right. Because your therapist is a guy, right?
2: He is an older gay gentleman. So, yes.
1: Mm, Okay. And he's very open. Um, This is where I think female therapists are different than male therapists um, because, because he's a gay male therapist, you can share anything. There's no issue. Correct. Whereas a female therapist, I have found like a little bit of a judgment. Even my sister's a therapist. Oh yeah. My sister, I was trying to get, Wow. I was trying to get my sister to do, um, she's down in Fort Lauderdale. And I said, why don't you do group therapy for all these strippers? And she just kind of turned her nose up in the air. And I felt there's a need for mental health.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yes yeah and um, I think would that's where I feel like men for men have an advantage because it's more open and accepted correct f- than opposed to a woman um doing something i don't I don't know, and oh, one last thing that I forgot you never had any trouble with the police, no, no. Never, nothing suspicious. Nothing, nothing with the
2: police. I've never had a client try to like rip me off or hurt me. or mm-hmm. and, and again, I don't allow that kind of energy into my mind. So I think if you think that way, then it's not going to happen. But
1: when you're screening them, like people calling you, if you've, you, you if hear I don't, something. Yeah,
2: if I don't get a good vibe, yeah. hang up and block their asses.
1: Mm, okay. Solve the problem right That's there. That's it,
2: honey. We got the power to block and really. delete.
1: The, um, what is it called that was back in the day? The Piers. Oh. Tell us about the Piers. Did you ever go? I swear I wanted to have you to talk about the Piers.
2: All right. So the Piers, the Christopher Street Piers, way back when, mm-hmm. like, guys would go there and they would, like, fuck around. And you had, like, a lot of tranny hoes. Mm-hmm. Now, I never did, like, because I've never solicited, like, mm-hmm. on the street. Right. Uh, but the Did peer- you have any friends that would go to the Piers? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. some of my tranny friends were, like, trying to make money. Uh-huh. But it was also, like, where gay guys would go just to sort of, like, hang out, fuck. Like, there was a lot of sex going on there. But then the peers were so dilapidated and ready to fall apart that, like, they would put this gate and, like, board it up so no one could go in. And in about five minutes, some queen would come with a wire cutter, <laughs> cut the shit up, and then we would all be in there sunbathing and... But then, like, you saw where, like, there were holes and people were falling in. It was... Oh, so people... It was dangerous it back then. really was. Did, did you drive um, by or... No, no. I was in there hanging out. Wow. And because wow. back then also, like, well, you know, now you they have to bike plane. Back then, you could actually park your car there. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, Johns will show up trying to pick up a hooker or... He would just be there drinking, smoking weed, doing drugs. It was a big old party.
1: Wow.
2: This is, a, I'm going back like 30, 40. Because that's what I would see in Pose. Correct.
1: Yes. Correct. Yes. If anybody has watched Pose, they can see. Um, it Was that similar? Did they do a good job with that?
2: Oh, God. Because yeah. Ryan Murphy does really good. He does his research. Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought he did a wonderful job.
0: Wow. So. Could you
2: please
1: tell my audience where they can find you, how you can um, they can buy the book and all of your social medias, please?
2: Okay, so my book is Fiona St. James, S-T, no period, don't spell it out. Mm -hmm. FionaStJames.com is my book. The book is The Life and Crimes of Fiona St. James. Mm -hmm. TikTok is Fiona St. James. Mm -hmm. Instagram is Fiona St. James. Uh, Facebook is also, Fiona St. James, actor, author. Mm-hmm. What am I leaving out?
1: Your YouTube and your TikTok. Oh, shit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: okay. Don't okay.
2: worry. And my YouTube, Fiona's Coffee Talks, mm. which I'm quite proud of that.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for being on Get School today.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
1: Yay.